Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon.
I give thanks to the one who empowered me, namely Christ Jesus, our Lord, that he treated me as trustworthy, appointing me into his ministry. He did this even though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. But I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. The grace of our Lord overflowed on me along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and worthy of full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But I was shown mercy for this reason, that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his unlimited patience as an example for those who are going to believe in him, resulting in eternal life. Now to the King Eternal, to the immortal, invisible, only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded. It is our gospel reading according to Matthew chapter 9, beginning at the ninth verse. Just as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. He said to him, follow me. Matthew got up and followed him. As Jesus was reclining at the table in Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners were actually there too, eating with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, The healthy do not need a physician, but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. In fact, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, I've noticed lately when I'm watching the news and, and listening to the anchors on, on what's the latest going on, and it doesn't matter if it's really kind of, you know, the, the big three or, 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 or maybe the internet ones uh, uh, and so forth, I just find it interesting that how many of these anchors are writing books, autobiographies, and some of them are actually selling millions of copies. And, and they're on the, the New York Times bestseller list or the Amazon bestseller list. And some of these people, they don't just write one book. They write volumes of books all about themselves. And people are buying this. They're, they're fascinated, interested in these people's lives and the stories they have to tell. But that was not the case with Matthew, the gospel writer to Matthew. His autobiography are the words that are before us, and they're only five verses. And what's really strange is he didn't really write about himself. It's all about Jesus. Why? Because as we understand that the more we understand the Lord and, and we grow in our relationship with him, uh, especially, well, 
and through his holy word, we find we understand ourselves all the more. A true autobiography is not bragging about all the things that I have done, but really pointing to the fact, look at what Christ has done for me and really for all. So it's not surprising that in his five-verse autobiography, he talks all about Jesus. In fact, we still know very little about Matthew. Oh, we know he was a tax collector. We know that he had a house because Jesus went to his house. We know that he's in Capernaum. We know that he was chosen to follow Jesus and later will be chosen as one of the 12 original apostles. And we also note, know that he wrote this gospel on the life of Jesus, titled Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament. Outside of that, nothing. Now, Matthew as I said earlier, is living in Capernaum. In fact, it was Jesus who did move his mother Mary from Nazareth to Capernaum. Jesus will be spending a, about a year in his ministry all around Galilee. And he will make Capernaum like his headquarters, so to speak. Now, right next to Capernaum is the Sea of Galilee, so it's not surprising that one of the huge industries in that place is fishing. It's not surprising that Jesus chose a number of fishermen to also be his apostles, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. The other thing unique about Capernaum is that it was right on the crossroad, a road that would go north and south, as well as one that would go east and west, and these were all trade routes. So it became a center of trade and commerce and the selling of goods. Also, what is not surprising is that there would be a tax booth there. And like today, oh, they tax people for everything and anything. And they even had sales tax. People who wanted to sell their goods would have to pay a tax. And of course, that sales tax would be passed on to the consumer in no doubt inflated prices. A tax booth was actually not run by the Romans. The Romans actually farmed that out to the locals. And so the local Jews actually ran it. All the Romans required would have set a, a set amount and as long as they got that amount, they were satisfied. But these tax collectors have been known to charge extra and pocket that extra. And because of this, they were terribly hated by the people. In fact, these tax collectors were so hated that they would oftentimes be described as tax collectors and sinners. They would be lumped into that group. Now, yes, we're all sinful human beings who have inherited a sinful nature, but in this case, talking about sinners in the sense that these are the outcasts, the social outcasts. These are the people that can't go to the synagogue. These would be the people not allowed at the temple to offer sacrifices. A tax collector is not someone a daughter brings home to meet mom and dad and, and they're going to be excited to meet him. A tax collector lumped with these sinners 
these social outcasts. This is Matthew. Because we're told he's a tax collector. And yet it was this gentleman that Jesus walked up to and said, follow me. And immediately he got up and followed. What was Jesus thinking? What, what was Jesus doing? Why would you pick someone like that? There had to be other people far better and, and more reputable. A tax collector? And Jesus, when he says, follow me, is not simply saying, follow me this one day or this one time, and then you're done. In the original Greek grammar of the New Testament, the word follow me literally means to follow continuously. Follow me and don't stop. And Matthew did exactly that. We hear of no excuses. We hear nothing like, yes, I'll follow you after I get done with my shift. Or let me go home and say goodbye to my family and give me an opportunity to pack. He left everything and followed Jesus. We heard these same type of words when it came to, to Peter, Andrew, James, and John as well, when Jesus called them to be fishers of men and to follow him, and they did. They left their nets and everything behind. What would move Matthew to do such a thing? Why? Now, we're not told if he ever met Jesus before, but I don't doubt it. That he heard Jesus preach, maybe even saw Jesus perform a miracle. And of course, Jesus, who is the very Son of God and Son of Man, would know what's going through Matthew's heart. It was God who, who knit Matthew together in his mother's womb. It is God who blessed him with his talents and abilities. When we question, Jesus, what are you thinking? The honest truth is, Jesus was thinking. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he knew exactly because he could read Matthew's heart. Now that has to be a heart that is moved by the Holy Spirit. For not one of us can come to faith in Jesus on our own. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit who doesn't work out of thin air, always works through the gospel, always works through that gospel in the word and that word found in the sacraments. The Holy Spirit works always testifying of Christ, again, calling us to faith and keeping us in that one true faith. And that same Holy Spirit working in Matthew's heart moved his heart to immediately answer Jesus' call and get up and follow. Obviously, the Holy Spirit, through that very precious word of Christ, and the whole Bible centers in Jesus Christ. It points to Jesus Christ. And because of this, the Holy Spirit clearly testified to his heart of who is really the most important. Yes, even over work itself. Who is the most important? See, it's so often we're tempted to think that God is just simply important. I've said this over and over, especially when I counsel people. And people are struggling with things that are going on in their lives. And, 
and they find themselves wondering where God is, and, and they're trying to find God, and they're feeling lost because they don't always feel that God is there, when in actuality, God is always there. And it was our very God who gave us life on the cross to pay for our sins and pay for them in full. But oftentimes we see God as simply important. And as soon as we do that, then we start putting him under the list of all the important things that are truly important to us. And maybe find ourselves so that maybe we start knocking God down on the list because there's other important things that maybe at the moment are really more important than even God. But that doesn't mean that God's still not important. He's still important and precious to me. But there's other things that I just need to do right now. And then we overlook the fact that Jesus isn't just important. He's the most important. There is nothing greater than the most important. Then come the excuses. Maybe the excuses was, is that I just don't have the time. I got other things I need to get done. I need to do this. I need to do that. Well, I'll sneak some prayer time in someplace and, and, and I'll pray to God. And, and then comes the, one of the biggest excuses, and that is, well, God's going to love me because I do my best. In my first lesson in my Bible information class, I have at the end of the lesson what's called the quickie quiz. There's 10 of them. And they're not meant to rate people's Christianity. They're meant to open up for more discussion as we talk about the lesson. And one of the statements in the very first lesson is true or false, God loves us when we do our best or try to do our best. And most people will put true. As long as I do my best, God's got to love me because I'm giving him my best effort. I'm really meaning it. I'm really caring. God's got to see that I'm caring. Therefore, I really, really deserve it. And then the temptation is to think, well, then God really owes me his love back because I really gave it the best effort to love him. When in actuality, the answer is false. God doesn't demand us to do our best. God demands perfection. Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. But we're not perfect. We are sinful human beings who have fallen short of his glory, not only inheriting a sinful nature, but committing sins. Sins that are that are pure selfishness, sins that are based on breaking his commands of perfect love. This is who we are. So how can I be saved if I can't be perfect? No, God loves me best because of his mercy and grace that undeserved love, where the very Son of God himself took on human flesh to save me. It is because of his love for me that I love and that I even love one another. 
That's why I've said over and over again in my sermons that as you grow in your love for the Lord and in his holy word, you do grow in your love for one another, understanding what love really is and not what you think it to be. It is out of love that we live. And we live for the Lord and follow the Lord. And not only do we follow him, we also serve him. Notice what Matthew did. In following Jesus, he invited him over. And he didn't just invite Jesus over for a meal as like a thank offering. No, he invited all his friends and co-workers. There were other tax collectors and other sinners. Oh, that begs the question, what was Jesus thinking going there? That was the question the Pharisees were asking. Did you know that the word Pharisee in the original language means separatists or separate ones? The Pharisees believed that, that because they followed God's law, because they deserved by following God's law to be the religious ones and the people to look up to, they believed that God would love them. They believed that God would accept them because they did their best. And in so doing, they separated themselves from the other people, the other outcasts, those tax collectors, those people that don't deserve to be saved, those people that break God's law and ought to be condemned. I might even want to pray for them to be condemned because they deserve it. They, by the way, did not go to Jesus to complain. They went to his disciples. I can't help but wonder if they were trying to maybe entice his disciples away from the Lord. They asked him why he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus, hearing what they were saying, answered this way, The healthy do not need a physician, but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. In fact, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He describes the healthy as righteous. He describes the sick as sinners. The Pharisees felt that they were the righteous ones. They deserved that title. They earned that title. They must be given that title. And God would certainly give them that title. Jesus did not come to save righteous in the purest sense because a righteous person is already holy. He doesn't need a savior. He hasn't sinned. Jesus came for sinners to rescue them with the forgiveness of sins and the hope of everlasting life in heaven. The Pharisees who thought they were so righteous were not. They too were sinners. They too needed a savior. And the very Savior himself reached out to these separatists, the Pharisees, when he quoted from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. God, even in the Old Testament, condemned just offering sacrifices. Yes, he commanded them but offering sacrifices for the sake of just offering sacrifices. Just go through the motions. Just do the work. God wants us to burn up an animal. Well, we'll burn up an animal. That's not what God desired. God desired mercy. You see, what, that's, what is at the heart of godly worship 
is not just going through the motions, it's the heart. And if your reason why you're doing what you're doing isn't right, then what you're about to do is not right. God desires undeserved love that comes from his love for you, that moves your heart to love. Apply these words to even coming to church. If you're simply coming to church for the sake of coming to church, oh, my dear friends, you're misunderstanding the purpose of this worship. God looks at your heart. Do it out of love, giving glory to him above everything else because he's the most important. If you're putting money in the collection plate, keep in mind that God doesn't look at the amount you put in. He looks at the heart and why you do it. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. And that means with a loving heart that has been motivated and empowered by the love of him who has saved you eternally. My dear friends, it is not, the, it is not surprising to us that God would choose Matthew to serve him. And it is not surprising that the very Holy Spirit who is called you to faith has called you to also serve him. But do it the way God intended it to be done, out of love for him who loved you first and has saved you. This is the Savior who has called sinners, and you and me are sinners who have been saved by the blood of Christ and called to serve. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.